For Your Information is brought to you by the Forest Service, providing fun and safe recreation for... Oh, oh my god, what is that? Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. It's gone! Welcome to Fourier Infilmation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, John Kaplan and Zach Graham. And you know, we say good movies, but I mean we need to be completely honest here today specifically about this. This is this is not a good movie. This this is actually kind of terrible, and like not in the way that like the room is terrible. It's just it's it's a little onion. It's a little onion of a movie. Oh look at me, I'm a little onion. Oh pop pop me. Oh but I smell so bad. I make you cry. Oh I make you cry. And not onions in the way that like ogres are like onions, because this movie has no layers. It is all surface level. It just yeah. reeks. It, it it's just it's just so bad. It, like. <sighs> We'll, we'll get into the meat of it here in a minute, but I, welcome to March Madness again. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is our uh, section of the podcast where one month out of the year, I select the movies and I make Zach suffer through uh, some of the eclectic movies that I've selected to, to talk about. Uh, today, this is part two of our creature feature, uh, Night of the Demon, singular, uh, following on from Night of the Demons, plural, uh, Night of the Demon from 1980, 1983. Uh, don't, we're, we're not completely sure what the official release date of this movie is it's um it's an experience it's um it's something where i'm 98 sure that no one who was part of the movie actually wanted to remember anything about it so no one really set a date it's not like uh, when the godfather premiered and everybody remembers that right right this is kind of something that people if they know about it would rather not know about yeah like if i were in this i certainly would be doing a lot to uh make sure the legacy of this film is nothing yeah and i think for a very long time that's exactly how it went uh as we'll see later on they they brought it back and uh it it continues to be back so uh, let's just kind of put this out on front street right now uh the movie is about uh bigfoot it is a bigfoot horror movie uh finished in 1979 after an alleged bigfoot craze that happened in the 70s yes so there's another bigfoot movie that's not this movie um it is by uh, comparisons um more sweet i suppose um i Uh forget what it's called but they definitely um did it on mystery science theater 3000 you mean to tell me that they didn't put night of the demon on mystery science theater 3000 i don't i don't think that they would want to or could yeah it's it's pretty heinous it's it is almost to cannibal holocaust levels it's not quite there but we'll get into it if you've listened to our cannibal holocaust episode first of all thanks for sticking with us and second you know how that movie made me feel and it's what movies like this tend to make you feel they tend to make you feel a little empty and or gross this one didn't really make me feel empty and or gross but kind of gave me like a sense of it kind of like you know how Lacroix kind of has like the sense 
notes of flavor. That's what this did for me. This would be a good jumping off point into other extreme cinema, but this is not necessarily, like, this would be something I would think would be tangentially related to something, or it kind of has the same energy as, like, slaughtered vomit dolls, which is not a movie I've seen but know a lot about, and if you are someone who knows a lot about that movie, um, please don't come anywhere near me. (laughs) Right. Because I don't want to meet people who legitimately enjoy those things. I enjoy them in a completely, like, voyeuristic avatar sense where, like, I want to hear about people who did see it. I don't want to actually see it. Right, right, right. It, it's it's strictly in the academic realm we, we experience this movie. It's not something that you would just be like, oh, hey, yeah, this is this is a movie I want to watch a few times. It, it is a movie that you watch most of accidentally and are like, I cannot. Like, and, like I don't, after watching it for this review, I realized that like there's a strong possibility that's what I did when I saw this movie for the first time. I just could not finish it. And uh, now I know why. Now I remember why. This is a movie where you know you finished it because if you didn't finish it you um you wouldn't feel this way you just be like oh that was such a shitty movie but like you don't truly know the deaths unless you finish it yeah so like going yeah. into this movie i kind of knew a little bit about it i thought it was going to be kind of like a uh like a bigfoot horror like semi-romantic movie but what i got was some sort of psychosexual bigfoot like sexual assault movie <laughs> And I didn't like it. Yeah, it's not a movie that you can like. Like, it's... It is a curio, and that's kind of what we do on March Madness. I don't think I actually fully, like, thought about what we were getting into when I said we were going to do this movie, because it, it's it's so much to do. It Like, we keep saying all this, and it's, like, enigmatic for people that haven't seen it. Um, I cannot recommend that you go watch this movie, but if you're going to do it, just uh, don't eat a lot of spaghetti while you're watching it. Yeah, it's, um, I was definitely eating pizza while I was trying to watch the end of this movie, and that was a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I mean, we, I think it, it bears mentioning that, like, Bigfoot film is not something that's, like, super common. It's not like a serious, like, aliens. There's a ton of alien movies, right, That where there's, like, extraterrestrials or from another planet, they got UFO, maybe they don't, you know, it, there's tons of movies like that. Um, other, like, fantastical subjects, you know, like, high fantasy, Lord of the Rings type stuff, there's a ton of movies that have, like, you know, swords and goblins and elves and stuff like that. that that's, like, a really common thing to see. This is not one of those things. I, I think that Bigfoot cinema is about as rare as Bigfoot itself and uh you never see it until you look it up on the internet and then it's everywhere just like Bigfoot so like which what gives speaking of which um if you are not familiar with the subgenre of literature of uh Bigfoot erotica no <laughs> this would also be a good jumping off point for you if that's something that piques your interest because it might deter you from that <laughs> It should not be something that you get into. It should not be something that you are searching actively for a jumping off point for, because if you need a jumping off point to get into that, you don't have any business exposing your brain to that. Don't, um, don't do it. Um, especially not this Bigfoot. This Bigfoot is actually kind of terrifying because in a way, like the way the Bigfoot look, like if you haven't seen the movie, just go look up Night of the Demon Bigfoot and just look at it for a minute. I feel like it might be the most realistic looking Bigfoot I've ever seen because it's not cartoony in any way. And it's like it truly looks like half man, half like beast. So I'm almost like that part of the movie is almost believable. 
Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. Uh, they spent, <laughs> we'll touch on this later, but they actually spent a lot of money on this costume, specifically the mask. The mask cost them like $600 to make, which in 1980 dollars is like almost $2,100 just on the mask. And like for movie like stuff in general, that's not super expensive, but for a movie with the budget that this one had, that's a significant chunk of the budget. I think it paid off, but the problem is just that it looks so bad. You can't really appreciate that in most of the cuts of the movie. So I did want to touch on this a little bit. So um, first of all, I wouldn't have let John get out of this one because not only I bought two different cuts of this movie. So I am $26 in the hole on this movie. That's a lot. So I bought the uh, Severin Films, uh, which as Severin Films is another one of my one of the like boutique Blu-ray labels. And they kind of specialize in movies like this, like movies that other people genuinely like wouldn't touch but they want to preserve movies like this because if no one does then eventually they're just going to be gone and especially now that we're getting like pretty far removed from like the late 70s early 80s we kind of have to start thinking about what we want to save and what we don't now why you you would choose to save this i don't know (laughs) it is a special little sasquatch turd of a movie yeah but um i do have to say the uh 4k scan that they did of this looks incredible compared to the version that you can rent on Amazon Video for $1.99, which is too much, by the way. Yes, yeah. It, um... Because that version looks like as if it was most likely ripped from the VHS copy. Because I'm sure that was the highest fidelity version that they had. Which is astounding. So Severin Films, I believe they like somehow tracked down the director or like somebody who worked on the movie. And they happened to have like a pretty pristine negative. And that's how they got such a good picture out of it. And again, why? I don't know. Sometimes we never get the answers to those types of questions. And I, I think that's um I think that's kind of the nature of the beast is like why would you make it? Why would you save it? Why would you keep it around? Why would you resell it with a bonus features disc? And I mean, I'm glad that they did that. I saw a couple of clips of it and like some of the content and it's pretty good. I mean, if you're into this type of thing, that is exactly what I'm looking for when I see a movie like this. I, I wonder why and then I get an opportunity to see why. Um, I think in the vein of asking why, we should probably also address some things that are like film worthy and not film worthy. And I think with the Bigfoot film, that's, um, that is a question that has to be asked. So unfortunately, there's actually a lot of Bigfoot movies out there. And again, it only shows up when you look for it. You know? never encountered them in the wild um just like bigfoot but there's also like some chupacabra movies and mothman movies so like when does something like this stop being film worthy because they're not all good i looked into a few of them they're truly just like oh it's a movie with a chupacabra and that's like the only thing selling it and the only thing that made it like worthwhile for them to bother busting out a camera for so i don't want to fault anyone for trying if you are trying like honestly trying to make a movie and you have a vision even if it is about mothman if you are trying to make something good i say go for it however maybe if more than five of your friends are saying hey maybe this is dumb or maybe this is not a good idea you might want to listen to them yeah believe in yourself don't believe in yourself so much that this happens right 
uh, in lieu of believing in yourself too much, or maybe not enough, um, I think most people would want a cocktail for this type of movie. Um, what do you have for me? We normally make cocktails on this show, and uh, since it's March Madness, we turn the tables, and Zach is the one that makes the drinks. So uh, what, do you, what do you got? All right, so this drink is called Bigfoot's Dong, or Sex in the Woods. So this is kind of a play on like a sex on the beach, but instead it's sex in the woods. And this is also a Bigfoot movie where he uh, rips someone's dong off. So I feel like it's kind of worthy. This is the part of the podcast where we chose to introduce the dong rip. (laughs) Well, because anyone who's not interested is gone. So if you're here, you're here. Just know it's happening. Um, So I do have to say that um, this idea kind of came from a website called mantitlement.com, which is gross, but this is a good cocktail idea. (laughs) All right. So, um... Like I said, it's like a sex on the beach, but it's woodsified. So first, you're going to take two ounces of moonshine, and then you're going to add to it one and a half ounces of grenadine, one and a half ounces of orange juice, one ounce of peach schnapps, three to four cherries, a half grapefruit with a hole cut out in the middle. Yes, I know I used that joke last week, but I think it's more pertinent here. That's good. I think maybe you should get an onion with a hole cut out in the middle of it. No, I want this to legitimately be good. I want people to enjoy this, but I think it's also best enjoyed with a pack of cigarettes i think that's pretty fair this was the early 80s so that is the sex in the woods or bigfoot's dong i see um yeah i I don't like the bigfoot's dong thing uh but it is what it is you know what they brought it they brought the pain and uh now we have to live with it right this but i do have to say I would watch this again over Puppet Master. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, what's your uh, What's your justification? Um, this is at least so bad in parts that it's enjoyable. Like, um, I have a few specific points of the movie that I actually kind of loved. <laughs> um, so first of all, the first kill in the movie is very much like a okay, it's gonna be low budget, and then gets to what the fuck, like really quick. Uh-huh. Um, In a word, yeah. <laughs> so basically, like, you see, like, this guy's arm get ripped off, and <laughs> you're like, okay, his arm's off, it's bleeding, whatever. But then, like, it shows, like, all this, like, muscle and cartilage and stuff, like, stuff that they had no business having the money to show. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking insane. <laughs> um... So that got me. Um, I also thought that the blood pooling into the Bigfoot footprint was like, honestly, nice touch. Yeah, I think if you're going to do a movie about Bigfoot, you kind of have to. Um, I also like how they did the um, throwing someone around in a sleeping bag to kill them, like literally seven years before Jason did it. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably the most enjoyable kill in the whole movie. If we're looking at it like a slasher movie. And I, I hate to say it, but I think this has to meet the criteria for a slasher milfy slasher milfy (laughs) that's the name of the episode the slasher (laughs) milfy I, I think it does actually meet all of the criteria required to make it a slasher movie. I think it does. I think it more goes into creature feature territory, which is also like kind of in the slasher camp. Mm-hmm. But um, I do agree with you. I think it does meet the criteria to be a slasher film just in general. Because, I mean, what is Jason? What Like, what's really the big difference between the Bigfoot in this movie and Jason? Not a whole lot. Uh, I can think of a few things. I We're going purely not, based I, I, on um, Friday the 13th part two i still don't think even in friday the 13th part two that jason ever ripped a dude's dick off you are correct but um speaking of um 
I'm trying to think of how to word this carefully. Um, my other favorite part. Um, I actually giggled quite a lot <laughs> at the um, the Girl Scout camp, like counselors. Like they're both holding knives because they hear something coming after them, and obviously it's Bigfoot. Uh huh. <laughs> and so then he like takes them as they're both holding the knives and just smashes them into each other, so they keep stabbing each other. It, it, it's it just is. it's just so fucking stupid. It is an absurd kill on screen. I think that uh, it's it's like Michael Jackson's bad music video. It's just like that bad. Worse. Like imagine just having a music video called Worse. This is the music video. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that Nine Inch Nails didn't just use this for a music video. <laughs> I what do you what do you think this Sasquatch prefers like to listen to? Do you, do you think he's a Nine Inch Nails guy or do you think he's like a like like a sludge metal guy or like what? I can't be entirely convinced that this that this Bigfoot and Sax Squatch are not the same person. Do not defame Sax Squatch. Sax Squatch is an absolute treasure. If you have not looked up Sax Squatch, so that's S A X S Q U A T C H. Uh big shout out. We're Yes. <laughs> we are in no way affiliated. We're not trying to say that. We're just fans. Yes, we, we do love the Sack Squatch. Not to be confused with Sack Squatch. S-A-C-K Squatch. That's a completely different thing. Don't look it up. I think you made it up, but now it's going to be a thing. And I think... Oh, I, I willed it into the universe. I brought that here. I brought that energy to the planet. I think you did. I... Uh, we gotta move on. Um... Just a few more notes on this movie. Um, I don't know why it was this movie that made me think about it, but it's like, can you believe that people just used to smoke indoors? Yeah. Like in strangers' houses? Like, that's so disgusting. It is definitely something that is not cool today. You you can't even, like, vape in somebody's house without knowing that they're into it or not. Like, people get really upset if you do that. So, like, I, I remember growing up, going into, like, businesses and, like, restaurants in particular that still had smoking sections. <laughs> yeah, like... But, like... It, it is hard to believe that at one point that was just a thing that you could do pretty much anywhere and like nobody would think it was weird if you did it and the only reason you would not do it is that they specifically asked you to stop after you already started doing it. <sighs> Just go outside. Just go outside. Don't, don't. But that's where our Bigfoot's at. You're right. You're so right. <laughs> at least, at least go to an open window. At the very right. least. And if it's windy, just hold it. <laughs> just hold it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, um, just, I know I touched on it earlier, but I do want to mention again how bad the standard definition cut of this is. It is terrible. Um, it made my MacBook retina screen weep. And I don't know if it can really be truly counted as standard definition. It's kind of like, imagine how, like, dark the new Batman movie is, like, as far as, like, cinematography-wise and lighting-wise, like, how dark that movie is, and how that movie can only work in 4K. <laughs> I think that this movie, it's important to point out, like, while it is in standard definition, it is the first no-standards-definition movie that we've covered. This is true. This is definitely going into C-tier horror movies. Like, this is no longer B-tier, where it's at least, like, enjoyably stupid. This is actively, like, harmful. <laughs> I... 
it's so hard to, it's not that hard to talk about there's just not that much to talk about it, it's just it looks so bad like it, the standard definition literally looks like it was filmed with a vegetable like i know people talk about potato quality this is potato quality video this like, might be turnip looks, quality it is terrible it's still in the dirt and like it's such a grimy little movie like like i like i said earlier there's um some satanic cult um sexual assault going on and also uh bigfoot impregnates a young girl which is um probably something that could get me demonetized but i feel like we can't talk about this movie without talking about that aspect of it i think we at least owe it to the people to warn them that that's in here yeah um because it will it, it will not be the satisfying ending that you want it's just um it, it's just dumb like it, it's it's a movie that i think i would throw on in the background just to see if anyone notices <laughs> The background of what, like filming your own snuff film? No, just in the background of like a party. Oh man, what kind of party? Like literally like a rager, like just to see if anyone notices the weird shit that's going on. Right, yeah. They just be like, oh, hey, Bigfoot just ripped that dude's guts out. Oh, sweet. What movie is this? <laughs> exactly. And then you would go watch it and you're like, wow, I wish I wouldn't have watched that. Kind of like yeah, the new yeah. Batman movie. Uh, I, you, what? what's up with the Batman movie? Like, you got this, like, severe thing with the Batman movie. <laughs> I need to watch it again. I think I just, I think I had my expectations set in the wrong places. And when those expectations weren't met, I made it the movie's fault and not my fault. So uh -huh. I do legitimately need to watch it again to see if i actually hate it you know it's funny the other day uh we had already decided that we were gonna go see the batman movie and so i was at the gym the night before we went and there was a bat trapped inside the gym and i thought that was kind of fun i mean not for the bat clearly he was having a terrible time but it was funny that i also popped open a trash can to like drop off one of those little wipes you know that you like wipe the gym equipment down with and it was warm and moist inside and it was wafting out and i was like you know what i hope this isn't foreshadowing i hope this isn't foreshadowing <laughs> all i needed was just over the speakers and there to be dum, 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 dum. i'm coming to get you i'm sparkly batman i'm just kidding i'm not 40 i'm not making that joke anyway ooh. big ooh. speaking of being old and making terrible jokes um i do we do have him back under contract he's here he's in the building he is not eaten in 23 years he's not bathed in 47 but we love him his name is frank synopsis and he's gonna give you a little synopsis of this movie if you didn't see it or if you need a reminder frankie baby welcome to the show hey more like having bathed since 47 am i right am i right you nasty so frank where do you bathe in central park for those of you that don't know frank lives in central park I'm more of a Benjamin Franklin type. I prefer an air bath, if you uh, if you catch my meaning. I don't, and I know I'm going to regret this, but please tell me, what is an air bath? You see, Benjamin Franklin thought that it was good for the body to sit in an open and well-ventilated, preferably sunny area to uh, bathe the body. Yeah, not just ferment the bacteria underneath his belly. Yeah, exactly. Gotta get that UV radiation in there. It's good for you, but you have to get it in all the crevices. That sounds like gooch stank up the ass. Anyway, Frank, did you have a chance to watch Night of the Demon from 1979, 80, 83? 
Oh, of course I did. 1979, 80, 83 was one of my favorite years for movies. I, I do feel like your life probably does blend together like that, Frank. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Night of the Demon? All right. After a mysterious killing in Northern California, Professor Nugent and a team of students venture into the wild on a search for what they believe could be Bigfoot. What terrors await them in the isolated backcountry? Will the existence of Bigfoot be proven once and for all? Perfect, Frankie baby. Thank you very much. Uh, Here is a slice of cheese. Do love some cheese. This will be great. Please do not put that underneath your stomach. Please eat that. Well, you got to melt it down somehow. Yeesh. All right, everybody. That is a wrap on Frank's synopsis. John, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for you to learn me something about this movie. All right, cool. Let's get into the basic info for the film. Um, There's a little bit to talk about, but honestly, um, a lot of the people that were participating in this movie didn't really go on to do a whole lot else. I don't know if that's shocking to you or not. But uh, How did this movie not win more Academy Awards? I call bullshit. Is this... you know is this the Illuminati's working? Is this also the same reason we haven't gotten the Community movie? We got six seasons. There's still no movie. Illuminati, stop getting in the way. Yeah, I think, if anything, the Illuminati was pretty upset about their depiction of Molech worship in Northern California, which was kind of calling them out straight up on their Bohemian Grove nonsense. You said a lot of words. and Look it up. Uh, go, go to Wikipedia and look up Bohemian Grove. You won't be disappointed. All right. Uh, the director was James Wasson, uh, produced by Jim Ball. Writer was also Jim Ball. Uh, Jim Ball actually has a lot to do with the movie. I mean, he's the producer. Of course, he has a lot to do with it. But, like, he did a lot more than what a producer normally does for a film. And I think that's pretty common in really small films, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so... The smaller the movie, the smaller the cast and the smaller the production crew, it gets pretty tight knit and like lines are blurred between like roles, whereas like on a big studio movie, like it's unionized. So everybody has a job. So you better not fucking do someone else's job. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Uh, Blurring lines between roles, kind of like like Robin Thicke style. Blurred lines. I think that was less than seven seconds. I think we're good. I think there was also some sexual misconduct involved there, too. We don't have time for that. Um. (laughs) All right, cool. Screenplay was by Mike Williams and music was by Stuart Hardy and Dennis McCarthy. Dennis McCarthy actually is a a pretty interesting character here in that he did a lot of music for uh, various Star Trek projects. That is a shame because I thought the music was actually one of the worst parts of this movie. It is. Um, It's honestly not even worth like getting into. It's just bad. Like, I think when you have a movie where there's like a killer Sasquatch running around, you got to talk about Sasquatch. You got to talk about like the circumstances around the appearance of the Sasquatch because there's a lot to talk about with that. But when it's like, it's just music, music ain't that good. Like, I don't know if it was just like a lark. He was just like, ah, you know what? Yeah, a killer Sasquatch. You know what? Yeah, sure. Maybe he was in like a lull between projects and he was like, ah, yeah, I'll take it. So I do want to say like while we're on this, the one time I thought the music worked really, really astoundingly well was um in the flashback sequence to when uh, Wanda, the um Bigfoot's um wife thing, um uh-huh. when it's talking about how, when she was 15 and her like super religious father that reminded me of my own father somehow. Don't want to get into that. The music was eerily childlike. Yes. And I think it worked there. It did not work anywhere else. This might be worse than planes, trains, and automobiles. But this is the thing, right? Is it like it's so grungy and it's so dingy and it's so intentional and that makes it worse is that like it feels as though everything was taken completely seriously and it's so it's so campy that way it, but but it's so dirty at the same time it it is one of those things where 
camp is only fun if there's enjoyment to be had. There are a few very seldom moments in this that are enjoyable, which I think actually takes it away from being extreme cinema because extreme the whole point of extreme cinema is to make you uncomfortable and for there to be no joy. It's supposed to be devoid of joy. This still has a little bit, so I think it's more, like I said, it's like a jumping off point into something like that, but this is still not good. <laughs> I, yeah, I see. It, it doesn't have the same appeal, and we'll touch on that here at the end. Um, let's talk about the cast a little bit. We have Michael Cutt as Professor Nugent. We have Bob Collins as Roy. We have Jody Lazarus as Linda, Shannon Cooper as Carla Thomas, and Melanie Graham as Wanda. Uh, if you don't remember who any of those roles are, that is completely normal. There's like two people that aren't Sasquatch in the whole movie that are memorable, and they are Professor Nugent and Wanda. I thought that Professor Nugent was uh, Ted Nugent's new name at that Donald Trump school that he's trying to start. That would be kind of cool, I think, uh, Professor Nugent, because he's not Dr. Nugent, because, like, you actually have to be a doctor to be Dr. Nugent, but, like, he can be professor if he's teaching. Welcome to Professor Nugent's school uh, class of um, how to not drive under 55, 101, and also various sexual crimes. It's fitting for this application, but not for anything else in the real world. It will send you to jail <laughs> i'm i'm just trying to call ted nugent out because fuck that guy um <laughs> this is the second consecutive episode that you have slammed ted nugent <laughs> did i slam him last week yes you called him an actual fascist <laughs> maybe maybe i need to uh, rethink my life <laughs> I just need to, maybe, maybe i'm not here to i'm not here to get in the way I'm not here to kill the vibe. Uh, Professor Nugent. Professor Nugent, coming to a Trump University campus near you. Professor Nugent. <laughs> so, John, how much did this thing cost to make? I have to know. $70,000. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, yeah, so with a $70,000 budget and a box office return of like, ah, uh, no, no one really seems to know. No one really kept track. It's funny because I looked up a, I want to say it was University of California system records on this movie specifically from the director's personal stuff that they have on file there was a whole box full of just receipts and invoices for this movie and if i had access to the uc records i could probably go tell you exactly how much this movie returned i'm not doing that i'm sorry i'm for any other movie i probably still wouldn't do it but i'm definitely not doing it for this movie it's not worth knowing because it's either going to be so small that you actually like turn around and start feeling bad for them or it's going to be so much that it just makes you wonder what you did wrong with your life I'm I'm thinking with Night of the Demons, plural, from last week, we had uh, roughly, uh, like, just under three times the box office return based on budget, like, you know, three times over. So in this particular case, that would be, what, $210,000? And that would be their best case scenario. I mean, I don't even know where this would have been, like, released at. Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona. We'll get there. Uh, let's get there. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's talk about the production first, though, because there's a lot to talk about. The movie was filmed mostly in Valencia, California, and various undeveloped areas in the Los Angeles area. For those of you that have been to Los Angeles, you'll know that once you get to the edge of Los Angeles, it gets pretty sparse pretty fast. Uh, once you get up into the mountains there, there's a couple of national parks and national forest land areas. Uh, it's totally believable that they could have found somewhere to film this movie out there, uh, especially dependent on the time of year. That That is actually a good move on their part to have done this. Uh, the university scenes were filmed at 
at the Immaculate Heart College, and the interior cabin scenes were filmed at producer Jim Ball's private studio in Los Angeles. Are you going to tell me about what they also do at that private studio? Oh yeah, of course I will. Uh, but first I need to let you know that uh, the film actually began production with a working title of Revenge of the Bigfoot. And uh, that was changed due to the uh, slowing off of an alleged 1970s Bigfoot movie craze that we have already somewhat touched on. Could not name a single movie. I know it happened. Yeah. Uh, there, there were a few people were talking about Bigfoot. There was that one video that came out, you know, like in the 60s from Northern California. I'm sure that's exactly why this movie takes place in Northern California. So it's not like being filmed on location on location, but like eh, it's pretty close. It's being filmed on a secondary location, which if you know anything about, you know, true crime, you should never go to a secondary location. You should also never film at a secondary location. Secondary locations are not good. No, no, it's it's. <sighs> Are we shocked? Is this on brand for a movie that's filmed on a secondary location? This is secondary location, the movie. Yes. Uh, Speaking of secondary locations and not going there, if a private studio in Los Angeles sounds like something that a porno producer would have on tap, uh, you would be right about that. So, yeah, the majority of Jim Ball's cinematic works are actually in adult film where he worked under the name Kenneth Holloway. Uh, His directorial credits include titles such as Knockout, which is a professional boxing erotica, uh, Flesh 1995, and Uncut Club Los Angeles, the foreskin movie. So let me get this straight. He put his real name on this movie, but not the porno. It appears that way. I can't actually confirm or deny that Jim Ball is his actual name. I think if anything, Jim Ball is probably what I would like, probably what I would do my pornographic works under. Right, because if you have that name, that's perfect. Like Jim Ball presents Flesh 1995. Like, how are you not going to pick that up at like, what, family video? I think there may have been some kind of infatuation with like the Playboy phenomenon at this point in history. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but there was like, obviously there's smutty stuff, but there's also like a a desire to get into like the the glamorous side of adult entertainment. Yeah. So like in the late seventies, early eighties is when they really started doing like, you know, like kind of like what you see now, like kind of like porn parodies, like that kind of thing, like more high budget stuff. Uh-huh. Which is interesting. It, there's like a whole side of like erotica filmmaking that's very interesting that I don't have time to get into right now and I don't want to get into right now. And it's not something uh-huh. that I'm an expert on, but it is something that I've read about and it is kind of fascinating. It also bears mentioning that director James Watson is also best known for his contributions to adult film, uh, working under the name Jim West. Should I know who that is? No. Okay. Uh, you definitely should not. Uh, I gotta say, Jim Ball, I kind of sound like his, his, it's like a shortened name for like James Ballsack. You can call me Jim Ball, but the ladies call me Jimmy the Ballsack Boy after midnight. Don't like it. <laughs> Don't like that at all. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I introduced that bit. <laughs> I'm just yes-anding you, sir. I'm just yes-anding. You're going to yes-and us into Saturday Night Live, just like what they promised everybody else at the Improv Comedy Troupe. (laughs) We're going to be right there, man. We're just going to take Pete Davidson's place because Kanye's going to murder him, apparently? Yeah, I've also heard it said that Pete Davidson has butthole eyes. Listen, if we don't give Steve Buscemi shit for his eyes, we cannot give Pete Davidson shit for his eyes. Steve Buscemi is an American treasure. Pete Davidson will probably also be remembered as an American treasure somehow. Most of the gore scenes were shot separately and added in post-production by producer Jim Ball without direct supervision from James Watson. Uh, In fact, James Watson still has not actually seen the final cut of the film. He was completely unaware of the controversy and cult status of the film until well after its release. 
big shocker. How do you not see the whole cut of the movie before it gets published? Like, it costs money to publish it, right? Because I'm sure at a certain point, they were just like, is this done? Can we just release this so I can never think about it again? Because that's how I would feel. Well, that's basically what they did. I mean, the production company was like a throwaway production company. This is the only thing that was released under that name. Again, color me surprised. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bigfoot. Let's talk about the creature. That is kind of the main feature of the film. He's kind of the center of tension when he's on screen. And when he's on screen, that's when the movie's worth watching, I think. Worth watching in quotation marks because 98% of the time, like you don't really see the Bigfoot until the end of the movie. And if you're watching the quote unquote standard edition of the movie, you don't really see the Bigfoot at all because he's always in the dark. Yeah, it's kind of like scrambled spice channel type shit. It's pretty bad. It's not good. Uh, let me let me let me reframe this. Um, the redeeming parts of the film are where the Bigfoot creature appears on the screen. Okay. No, 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 that can't happen either because he does some heinous acts on screen. I can't get it. Bigfoot is here. That's why you came. That's why you wanted to watch the movie in the first place. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) The Bigfoot creature was played by uh, stuntman Shane Dixon in most scenes, and he was by far the most prolific performer in the movie. He has over 100 film credits, including Godzilla from 1998 and the entire Lethal Weapons franchise. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, stuntmen get work, man. They do. And I mean, with over 100 movies, I... I mean, that's where it's like, that's a career. Like having a hundred films under your belt, even if you're just a stunt guy. I mean, come on, that's a that's hundred movies you're in. Something I need to ask somebody, do stuntmen get residual checks? Oh, they have to. I mean, I would, I mean, the, I would the things hope they're they doing would. on screen are the the money making shots. There has to be a union for them, right? Or are they under screen actor like unions? I mean, the screen actors union is like broken up into so many subsections. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, we'll have to have one of my buddies on here. Maybe he could tell us more about how that works. Okay, yeah, no, I'm definitely interested to know, especially with this, because they hired a stuntman to play Bigfoot. I don't think Bigfoot actually does that much stuff in the movie that could be considered, like, a stunt. I mean, he breaks through a couple windows, I guess. He does break through a couple of windows, and, um... I mean, all of the kills are technically stunts. Mm, oh, yeah, he does swing that guy around in the sleeping bag. Yep. <laughs> it's, um... It's a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. It, it is an experience. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Bigfoot mask itself actually costs like 600 bucks to make, which, you know, it's like $2,100 in today's money. And believe it or not, that accounts for just under 1% of the entire budget. Which, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a $700,000 movie, like, that's pretty significant. Like... Oh, not 700, 70,000. Oh, sorry, 70,000. 70, it's like... But when you when you put it like that, where it's one percent of the entire budget, maybe they should have spent a little more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little more. I mean, it's the main feature of the film. That's why you watch the movie. It's because you think there's going to be a Bigfoot, and then when you see the Bigfoot, I mean, I guess if you're filming it with an actual stick of celery, like you can kind of get away with not having like an excellent looking Bigfoot mask. But like, I think it's actually probably the most appealing part of the film. Oh, I mean, it absolutely is. I mean, like, like you said most appealing is in quotation marks it's like it's what you came for yes this is what sells the movie if it were just a dude in the woods totally forgettable we wouldn't be covering this movie at all no it would but just be sleepaway big camp foot. big foot <laughs> big foot I honestly couldn't count the different, like, ways they refer to the Bigfoot. They call it Bigfoot, right? Like, do they ever call it Sasquatch? I I really don't remember. They never refer to it as Sasquatch. They either refer to it as the creature Bigfoot or, ah, 
Right. See, that's a, that's an important thing to you know recognize him as when he's running around committing like heinous sex crimes in the woods. Just ah. <laughs> Ah, that's exactly how I feel about the whole movie. It's it's how everyone should feel about the whole movie. I don't think that this is meant to be enjoyed. I think it's meant to be endured. Yeah, yeah, it's an endurance round. So, John, how, when, why, how did this get released? All right, well, the film was first released in a limited showing in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, February 29th, 1980. Leap year, isn't that crazy? Uh, It had a wider release on Halloween of that year, so uh, October 31st, 1980. I say wider release because um there's really not a lot of information to where it went or how long it was there for or why uh it just is so maybe it got a national release i don't really know it didn't really make its way outside of the u.s until later this actually got released in the uk in 93 and i want to say in japan some other like sometime in the 90s like it took forever and that's not surprising to me i guess but i i don't think it even got a theatrical release outside of this no and um from what i understand this is also one of the uk uh video nasties oh yeah definitely is we will get there okay yeah uh it was released on vhs for home video in 1983 re-released in 1986 now that is i think maybe the most appropriate thing to talk about before we talk about video nasties because that kind of is what made video nasties video nasties and if you want to know more about video nasties uh go to youtube and watch a documentary called ban the sadist videos uh i believe some of it's actually included on the bonus dvd for this uh, most recent release of the film, is it not? I do believe it is. I know there is a documentary of that type on there. I don't know if it's included in the Severn Blu-ray. However, yeah, I do so, have to say the Severn Blu-ray has a dope-ass slipcover. Yeah, I've seen it. It looks pretty good. It's reversible, right? Well, the inside is, but the outside is actually like a really hard like cardboard stock mm-hmm. with like some really nice print on it. It looks really nice. Like I bought it for the slipcover. <laughs> for you Blu-ray junkies out there that are, uh, you know, collecting and building not spreadsheets to track all of your movies. Listen, there are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> there does just like bigfoot maybe <laughs> like i mean there's like one per region right because like we have like the yeti we have the american bigfoot we have the boris johnson like we there are several of these characters roaming around don't forget the skunk ape of south florida i don't know what that means and i won't respond to it okay cool i, I can promise you it's not in any way controversial statement or slur um we have to move on okay we have to move on. Uh, speaking of Boris Johnson, in the UK, as mentioned before, Night of the Demon and many other films like this were placed on the list of video nasties. So there is a bit of like a pilgrim crusade there in the early 80s, late 70s to get videos in like physical media for home viewing uh, regulated. So when you sent a movie to a cinema or you sent a movie to be screened on like a televised platform, uh, there was a lot of regulation, a lot of censorship that the British government could impose on it. Early in the home video market, they're really was no such censorship there was no such regulation and uh, honestly a lot of companies got kind of upset that their family-friendly content was put on the shelf right next to like adult content so not necessarily like pornographic content but movies like this and other movies not quite like this that really wouldn't be safe for children um believe it or not there was a huge uptick in video rental business opening that happened in the 70s following a british economic collapse uh i want to say we've touched on this once or twice before we may have touched on this in our cannibal holocaust episode because we did talk a lot about video nasties there too so go check that out i know that's the second time we've mentioned that episode so i think we're trying to tell you to go listen to that episode 
Yeah. So a lot of people opened up video stores because it was a way that you could like self-employ and people would go rent movies. Like even if you don't have a lot of money, well, I can rent a movie for the weekend. I might not be able to go to the movie, but it's a lot cheaper for me to go rent a video from the store. So it, it was something that you could do that's like relatively low key, relatively low overhead costs. You could just show up to a distributor and be like, hey, I need to buy this many movies. And they're like, okay, cool. So I got some of these and some of these and some of these and some of these. And then you go about your way and you have stock. You have something that you can it would be uh, kind of like sorry it would be kind of like n now you see like those vr arcades popping up it's kind of like that huh yeah i actually see exactly what you mean there how the overhead cost is relatively low and it's something that like well i don't want to buy a vr headset for myself or i don't want to buy any kind of vr system but I, I can spend a couple bucks this weekend on that i'll try it right like 10 bucks for like two hours like what do i have to lose right exactly um night of the demon got cut up pretty hard in this uh as did lots of other movies and uh as mentioned before it wasn't until 1993 that this thing actually got a wide home video release and it was heavily censored basically all of the violence and gore was taken out the scene with the disembowelment and and again, the dick ripoff scene were completely removed. I'm not surprised. I understand why they would want to take that out. But I think if we were going to have a segment of the podcast where we talk more about censorship, uh, Zach, now you can take it away if you'd like. I, I know this is kind of your thing. So like John said, this was definitely a pilgrim crusade. This was definitely like a uh, Puritan type thing. Very Nancy Reagan. Um, God rest her soul, whatever. Um, but also don't forget that... Um, Al Gore's wife is also very much part of this. So th it's in the U.S. at least. So what happens with movies like this is in order to appease people that weren't going to watch the movie anyway, they have to be censored in some sort of way or they have to be tucked away behind some sort of like wall, kind of like uh, how... You can't just go buy porn at Walmart. You have to go to like a specialty store. That's what they think movies like this should be. And it's kind of what it already did. Like the market kind of like self-regulates things like this. Because like you can't go buy this movie at FYE. You have yes, to... Professor Nugent here telling me that the market will self-regulate. <laughs> You have to buy it. You, like, you have to know that you're buying it. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, because... I think that there are movies that got labeled as video nasties that shouldn't have been. Just like there were, there was music in the 1980s that got like that little, or I'm sorry, the 90s that got that like little parental advisory sticker that didn't deserve it and like pretty much like stopped it from getting wide distribution. It's not so much that it's like, we don't want you to see this. It's more of a, we don't want this in our society. It's more of a, it's more puritanical than like they want you to think it is and it's wrong right they are deciding what they think their idea of society should be and if it doesn't fit in that it gets labeled it gets like a figurative scarlet letter put on it to where you know if you agree with me and this is what you want our society to be like this should not be a part of it but whatever that means and i'm not gonna sit here and say that night of the demon is some kind of like a gem of culture that should be preserved and respected because i don't think that that's what it is but i think specifically when we're talking about like that uh parental advisory phenomenon that happened for i mean i guess it technically still happened doesn't it yeah i mean like things are still labeled explicit which like i get it it's easier for parents but it also like labels the art in such a way that like then sensationalizes it for its profanity 
profanity and so like it also in turn is sensationalizing the profanity so like the profanity is probably just a part of the art and may even be like a commentary but because you're now putting that label on it you're taking the art out of it and you're sensationalizing it and then you're also at the same time going against what you wanted in the first place like that's why the parental advisory sticker thing is fucking stupid but the thing is is like movies like this get lost because of this and because no one wants to distribute movies like this because they know that they're gonna get like you know shit fucked for it (laughs) it's really hard to even want to do something like this so i almost commend them for making it but it's also still bad yeah it's a it's a little turd it's a little onion of a movie it's I, I can't believe that we have to come to the defense of something like this for this reason, but you're right. And uh, we talk about this every time we talk about something on the video nasty list or every time we talk about something that gets like significantly censored. And I think it bears mentioning, I think that we thought that the internet would be like the great equalizer, but I, may, maybe it has been, maybe it hasn't been because we still have things that are becoming lost media. I know that there's several films over the years that just don't exist anymore for one reason or another. And I think when you limit it, they, they're not there. You know, like it, it's going to be a lost part of our culture and then i mean we're free to make the same mistakes that we made before again and again and again because uh nobody knows about it or nobody can find it or nobody can uh you can't do anything it's um it's definitely something that we're going to be talking about next week with our last movie for um march madness so i don't want to get too much into it but there is a really big thing with studios not caring about their back catalog anymore and it's making several movies either really hard to find or straight up impossible to find or so severely out of print and out of date that i mean like how should i how should i go about saying this um dvds we're getting to the point where dvds are not going to last forever they do have an expiration date so we kind of have have to decide it's it's again what i was talking about earlier like we have to decide what we save and don't save and like while things like this it's easy to say like oh yeah we should forget about that there's also movies that are held up by distributors that don't care about and that's kind of why like boutique labels like severin and like shout factory come in because it'll be like hey this hasn't been re-released in a while it deserves to be that and they come in and do it for the studios because the studios couldn't care less about it especially disney disney is essentially given up on physical media or really just like re-releasing anything that's not its main canon and it's very 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 sad to watch yeah i think that that's kind of important to do i know with severin they've re-released this film in blu-ray uh november 2021 it's got this bonus features we're talking about uh it's got interviews with the director and the producer and were it not for that there is basically no information on this film like it's not out there nobody wrote it down there wasn't any kind of documentary thing going on when they made it and we even for the person purposes of making this podcast very very basic information there's really just not that much out there and there would continue to be that until there was nothing at all were it not for companies like that so again i can't say that i'm super jazzed that they chose to do this but i believe in what they stand for i guess it's one of those things where it's like believe in the idea not the product right right. just like disney believe in the idea not the product (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll chalk it up to that. Yeah, we'll chalk it up to that. Let's talk cult. Let's talk camp. So the reason why I wanted to do these two films is because they represent what I believe to be kind of like two opposite ends of the cult and camp phenomenon. Yes. Even though they appear more or less at the same time and have relatively similar structures. They do, but I think they have two different purposes. So whereas Night of the Demons from 1988 that we covered last week is more firmly rooted in camp and camp leads to cult. This movie, Night of the Demon, is so bad that it goes straight to cult because this is going to cater to a very specific audience. And that may not have been their attention at first, but as soon as something like this happens, you kind of have to write it, kind of like they have with The Room. Like, if Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero didn't do what they did with The Room and, like, make a book about it and, like, really, like, hype up the legend of the movie, you wouldn't still be hearing about it right now. That is true. And while we are basically on the brink of extinction with this film, just like Bigfoot, just like Bigfoot, um... It, it does bear mentioning that the way you get the camp is by having full effort and no quality. <laughs> like, you you play it off completely serious, but the fact of the matter is that it's a movie where Bigfoot kills people. Like, it's not... It's There's nothing super special about it. There's nothing groundbreaking about the concept. It's just novel. And that novelty kind of, I don't know, puts it in a category all its own, and it, put, it, it makes it a curio. It makes it a curio of film because no one else really did this, and there are reasons why that is, but they did it anyway. It's one of those things where someone obviously cared enough to do this, and And so if you're interested, it's worth your time. But if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. And I think that they knew that going into this. Like, I don't think that they made this thinking it was going to be the next Jaws. Right. I just like, I don't think that they actually made Night of the Demons, plural, from last week. I I don't think they made it to be the next Jaws either. But they had a little bit better idea of what they were doing. It's a little more exploitative. I think that there are plenty of exploitative elements in this movie, too. I think the fact that there's Sasquatch in it, like they even said, that we mentioned earlier, they, they were trying to cash in on a Sasquatch wave which inherently makes it exploitative but not in the same way that I think A Night of the Demons was exploitative. No, this is more exploitive on like the the niche side whereas Night of the Demons was more exploitative on the let's get teenagers butts and seats side. Mm. This one's like it's so weird you couldn't say no to it. The other one is you know you like this come here and watch it. Exactly like it was much more studio. This is not studio. And like I'd say this is the opposite of studio. They invented a studio for this movie on a budget of $70,000 and it almost went extinct just like Bigfoot. And invented on a studio set for $70,000 and almost one extent. And yet, here we are talking about it. Here's Severin making, like, a very nice Blu-ray package for this movie. Like, so obviously, someone cares about this movie. It ain't me. Nature is healing. Nature is healing. We're getting more and more titles on Earth every single day, and that's great. Like I said, if there's anything worse than this, it's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that just about wraps it up for Night of the demon do you have any parting shots zach is there anything you'd like for people to know about this film that we haven't talked about already um other than i think that someone needs to do night of the demon bigfoot versus jason now that is a concept right there how about versus leprechaun i don't have time to talk about leprechaun (laughs) 
No, we can. Uh, next year, if we have a whole year until March comes around again, and you best believe we, we can expect to see some Leprechaun. Are we going to do Leprechaun, the first one, or are we going to jump straight to Into Hood? I think that we need to first explore why the Leprechaun sequel was not called Leprechauns. <laughs> I think they I think I want to make a like a like you know like how they make those like um <laughs> like anytime like a Disney movie comes out they'll make like a shitty 3D animated like version of it that they like made in 3 months and just put on a DVD and put in Target. Yes. Next Halloween I want to make a movie like that but call it Leprechaun and it's oh, no. a convention of lepers. I, you you miss the opportunity to have a con artist that has leprosy. See, that sounds more like an Academy Award winning movie. That's not what I want. Yeah, Leprechaun Man, he has leprosy. He's also short. He's from Ireland. He has a pot of gold and he is trying to swindle you out of your land or whatever. Starring Tom Holland. Starring Tom Holland. You know what? Great Leprechaun. Great pick for Leprechaun. Make it happen. Yep. <laughs> all right. With all of that being said, um, we are still growing our audience. So if you could pretty, pretty please give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting app you listen to. I don't think Spotify does that, but if you could just hop over to Google google play podcast or apple podcast and just like put a five-star review you can put like a funny little like word jumble whatever you want to do and i'll read it whatever you say i'll read it um but the reason that i'm asking you to do that is because it can actually it actually has a real effect it gets us seen by more people so it would be greatly appreciated if you could do that if you could follow us on all the social bullshits we would love that too uh, we'd love more engagement there so we can have fun with you guys figure out like what it is that you want to hear us talk about because if you love it when we talk about night of the demon but you hate when we talk about the godfather like i'd like to know that um but until next time hopefully a better movie for four-year-old formation i'm zach graham and i'm john kaplan watch a new movie this week um severin has better movies than this i would check those out all right see you guys